Welcome to this Law & Sport podcast with me, Sean Cottrell, the founder and CEO of Law & Sport. I have the pleasure of uh, being joined by one of the leading sports lawyers in Japan and uh, the region of Asia. Um, he's also one of our distinguished editorial board members and uh, doing a lot of meaningful work in sports law. His name is Taku Yamazaki. He is the chairman of FIFPro Asia. He has represented Japanese Baseball Players, players, players Association, Rugby Players Association, football. He's pretty much been involved in most things in sports <laughs> law. Um, Thank you. And has, just before we started, uh, kindly made me aware of the fact that he'd been now practicing sports law for 20 years, which is, is kind of incredible. Um, Tak, thanks for joining me today. Thank you. Um, so you're over in London at the moment, and then you're going to go off to uh, watch some of the Women's World Rugby World Cup. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, thanks for dropping by. I wondered if you've got a very good handle about some of the really important legal issues that are affecting sports and, and athletes right. in the region of Asia. Um, could you just give me a, an overview of, of kind of what the, the hot issues are at the moment and what some of the issues that you're dealing with are? Well, uh, of course, um, uh, Asia is a big region and uh, we have a lot of different uh, cultures uh, or businesses, uh, traditions. So I, as a uh, chairman of the People Division in Asia, uh, have dealt with a lot of cases involving Asian players or Asian clubs. And uh, all of the cases are different. And, uh, but uh, uh, you know, based on my experience, I came to realize that the, uh, uh, there are some uh, types of issues uh, regarding the, uh, uh, especially contractual disputes uh, involving the football players. So I, you know, of course, um, at the same time, I'm a, a DRG arbitrator. I have dealt with a lot of cases involving Asian clubs. So um, I just, uh, you know, today I just want to talk about the um, uh, contractual disputes. There. You know, what kind of uh, cases uh, there are uh, in Asia. So, uh, which might uh, interest uh, users or listeners to, to this uh, podcast. Fantastic. Yeah. And so we've got, so you sit as a, as you said, you sit as a, an arbitrator in the FIFA DRC. Right. Um, and you, uh, when you are, when you sit there, then you, you see the cases, but based on the uh, written evidence. Yep. And you don't have any... Um, Hearing, hearing, and you, you can't compel people to give evidence or anything like that. So, you, but you you deal with a relatively high volume of cases. Um, what are some of the issues that you're seeing in these contractual disputes that are, um, that maybe people from Europe or sports laws in Europe maybe are less familiar with, let's say, or haven't seen for a number of years? Yep. Of course, um, you know. Um, there are you know many types of cases but uh, you know the recent uh, one of the recent trend you know uh, is that uh, the clubs uh, agent clubs uh, forge the uh, you know signature of the players you know like uh, you know the documents are saying that uh, I have received all of the compensation from the club and the uh, or the uh, uh, I waive all of the uh, the compensation which I uh, I deserve or you know I'm entitled to get to or something like that. Uh, this is it's a really uh, huge problem because uh, a DRC uh, makes a decision uh, only based on the documents, and the uh, if the documents is forged, uh, it's really difficult for the panel uh, to uh, investigate 
if the uh, you know signature was forged. So uh, it's, um, there have been many Asian clubs who or which uh, forged the signature of the so, so, of the yeah players. So, so sorry to interrupt you, but so at that case then, so you've got a couple. There's a couple of issues there. One, you've got the obviously the, the, the deceit and forgery, yep. uh, which presents a problem because that's hard for. A, uh, you or the other members of the FIFA DRC to distinguish that just based on the, the written evidence. Yep. And then presumably as well, the discrepancy of uh, between lawyers representing players can also cause a problem because those who may be more familiar with it know how to acquire, can acquire evidence to contradict that of the, the, the forgery. Yep. Um, whereas others can't. And that must be a, a problem that only really manifests itself once it goes to CAS. Which can be quite a long process, right? And uh, it costs a lot, actually. So, um, so what? Um, of course, if you represent the, the players uh, in that kind of case, uh, you know, you need to be really smart in uh, finding uh, other evidences, uh, which can prove the fact that uh, uh, for, uh, the signature was uh, actually forged uh, by the club. So, um, for example. Uh, there have been a lot of cases like that, and uh, but uh, some of the cases, uh, you know, we can we could definitely uh, make a, a conclusion that uh, the the signature was de- uh, actually forged uh, based on the um, uh, you know looking of the signature, mm-hmm. for example, you know by comparison uh, with the uh, other documents. So the uh, if the uh, signature by the player seems really different uh, from the original uh, signature, you know, on the player contract or something like that, so we can easily uh, say that oh, this is really strange, and the uh, this is kind of a, this this seems to be a, a forgery of the uh, uh, signature or something like that. This is a kind of a typical example of how uh, you can prove uh, the fact that. Uh, the signature was forged. So you're saying this is quite a common problem uh, that you're seeing in Asia. Yep. What, what advice would you give, I guess, to athletes and their representatives who um, are you know, ending a contract or terminating a contract with a club or transferring to another club? What are some sort of, sort of the basic steps that you'd recommend yeah. that they take? Uh, obviously, uh, firstly, or most importantly, uh, you need to get the uh, copy of the contract. You know, <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, it sounds basic, but it's probably one of those things but that people, yeah, people, yeah, but, but people just forget to do. Yeah, it. It's not really basic in uh, in Asian <laughs> countries. So uh, many of the uh, players uh, actually have a difficulty in getting a copy of the contract. So, for example, you know, uh, of course uh, they sign a contract, and uh, but uh, you know, if they ask the club to, uh, you know, oh, please give me a, a copy of contract, or they, you know, may say that, oh, you don't need to have a contract, oh, don't worry about it, or something. <laughs> or, oh, oh, we're going to we're gonna give you, we're going to give you later, or something like that. So that that's a typical reaction wow. of yeah, the club. Yeah. And uh, so uh, right now, uh, there's a case involving uh, uh, South American uh, player, uh, who uh, who is playing in a Vietnamese club, and um, uh, he uh, has already signed a contract or the uh, the uh, extension, you know, which means that uh, uh, he's got uh, a three-year extension uh, from the current contract, but uh, he couldn't get a copy of the contract from the club, and then of course uh, he asked 
the club to give give him a, a copy of contract. But uh, you know uh, what the the club said was that uh, oh, I need to get the approval from the government or the local government or the president of the club or something like that. So they are just delaying the uh, uh, in uh, giving a copy of the contract. Why? Because. Uh, uh, the club is unwilling to give a copy of a contract is because uh, they just want to see uh, how player performs until the end of the season. And uh, once, you know, for example, the player get injured, uh, they started, they, they will start saying that, uh, oh, we don't remember having to sign the contract or, the, uh, or we didn't sign a con- any contract with you or something like that, uh, you know, because uh, they didn't give uh, the player a, contract, a copy of a contract. Uh, they are in a position to do that. So, so really, then, that this is players should have. I mean, it must be difficult in certain, uh, particularly in certain cultures, right. uh, particularly if you're a young uh, male yeah. or female player. Right. You know, you're going to what you, you, know, you consider to be a very good club, uh, or at least a, a club that's going to help you progress. Yep. And you trust them to look after you, and maybe your agent yep. as well. Yeah. Um, to be quite forthright and say, no, my rights are that I should get an exact copy of my contract right um would you recommend if the players are having difficulties who should they approach should it be well uh fifth pro asia has introduced a a new membership system Uh, we call it a prayer member uh, i mean or direct member so people is um uh, of course an organization uh of the um uh uh, umbrella organization of the World uh, Prayers Association worldwide. So, for example, the member, uh, our members are typically uh, English Prayers Association, Japanese Prayers Association, Australian Prayers Association, something like that. But you know, we you know we haven't we hadn't uh, accepted the direct membership uh, at the global level. But uh, we we People Asia has introduced a new system. Uh, which allow individual prayers to become a member of People Division Asia. Uh, why? Because uh, uh, there, there have been, uh, you know, there's a difficulty uh, for um, uh, Asian prayers to get united to form, to establish a prayers, so local prayers association. So that is, but uh, of course, uh, there are a lot of uh, disputes uh, involving uh, uh, Asian prayers. And that can be difficult because the government of a government intervention causing obstacles the, yes. so the, the political environment can make it right. very difficult right. the cultural environment right. um, you, I think you, you've mentioned to me on other occasions as well that you know, it can be very difficult when we talk about uh, you know, back in the day with the Japanese Baseball Players Association in Japan how difficult it can be to stand up and say no these are my rights uh, because it's not uh, and correct me if I'm wrong I think you were saying that essentially it wasn't um, expected that players should be Outspoken, they should just essentially crack on and continue yep. playing yep. without complaining. Absolutely. So we, um, you know, of course, uh, uh, I, as a Japanese lawyer, uh, fully understand the difficulty uh, for the players to stand up uh, fighting against the uh, the management. So uh, that is why we introduced the system of uh, direct membership or player membership. So um, you know, the player can count on FIFA Asia. Uh, you know, in a, in a situation like that. You know, so if they uh, have a difficulty in, for example, getting a copy of a contract, uh, we can uh, send a warning letter on his behalf uh, to the club. And uh, we have solved the issue, uh, actually. We have solved the issue uh, for the um, for, uh, for a player playing in a Vietnamese club. So that is a, a typical case, a typical example of how we can uh, help 
the players in Asia. Uh, yeah. that's fantastic yeah. um, and I think it's good that there's that direct membership because yeah. yeah it removes one of the obstacles and I think if there are people who essentially would be your members if it, were, if it were not for the fact there was restrictions around yep. uh, unions or, or uh, athlete commissions being created uh, I think it's great that you've actually uh, you know, identified that as a problem and removed that barrier right. um, in terms of uh, other developments that are taking place and other projects you're working on at the moment um, yeah, what else is going on really well oh that's a really kind of broad question <laughs> ah, I apologize. I, I'm doing a lot you, you, you of know, you know me by now <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm doing a lot of uh, a lot of sportsful stuff so but uh, uh, of course um, uh, I as a uh, chairman of people division Asia uh, are dealing with a lot of uh, human rights issues uh, involving uh, uh, players so uh, of course um, uh, some of the uh, uh, players uh, can be a victim of the uh, political disputes or in the uh, federation for example indonesia uh, one of our member api uh, api is a, a local uh, players association in indonesia they fought against the uh, the management uh, regarding the uh, good governance or the non-payment issue uh, over the last uh, five years, so uh, they are getting better uh, because uh, you know they are getting normal uh, since um, the suspension by FIFA has lifted uh, last year. So, uh, as you may know, Indonesia is a really big football country, mm-hmm. and uh, they they uh, you know uh, of course uh, uh, sometime in the near future they will hold the World Cup, so they have a big potential to do that. Uh, they have uh, more than 2 million, uh, 200, 200 uh, million uh, people uh, and uh, many football fans. But uh, the governance in Indonesia has been really terrible, yeah. I would put, say. So to put, to put these into context, because I always get caught, I think, um, focusing on the negatives. And I think it's important to, to address some of these inequalities, that are, all the inequalities that are not just some, all the inequalities that are there. Yep. However, um, if we're looking back, you know, at the start of your career, how does it compare and contrast between what's happening now compared to when you first started being a sports lawyer? Well, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a really great question. Uh, you know, when I started this job, like uh, 1998, 1997, I could never imagine the situation like now. You know, so uh, of course, uh, FIFA. You know, just for example, FIFA has established the um, uh, human rights project, and uh, they have. They right now they have uh, independent independent advisory committee on human rights, and they got the Lagi report, and uh, so right now we can talk about the human rights issue in relation to the to the sports. So, for example, if we uh, have uh, prayers. Uh, suffering from non-payments or suffering from the uh, unreasonable suspension by the federation or the clubs, uh, we uh, sometimes may be able to raise this issue as a part of a human rights issue. So, for example, uh, we, People Asia, has a member in Palestine. Uh, what's, what's happening in Palestine is always political. Mm. And, uh, of course, uh, it's really difficult for us to do something about politics uh, in Palestine, uh, especially uh, regarding the relationship uh, with uh, Israel. Uh, but uh, uh, from uh, 
uh, sports side, uh, you know, we can do something uh, for the players. So like uh, if uh, they, are, they become the victims of the uh, political disputes and that they cannot play uh, football anymore, uh, we can say like, uh, or, or uh, you know, playing football is a basic human rights for them. And, uh, you know, we have to protect them. Uh, as a global governing body or global uh, voice uh, for the players. So that is a, uh, you know... So this is a positive I, step, right? Really right. positive step, you know. You know, like 10 years ago, even 10 years ago, I couldn't never imagine, you know, uh, the situation like this. So, you're at the, you, so you, yeah, the fact that people are actually talking about it is being addressed. It's actually become higher up the, uh, the hierarchy of, right. of, of, of uh, the structure of the yeah. sport. Um, one of the things I wanted to touch on, though, uh, before I let you go, was the some of the some of the challenges. So I think you, so essentially you're saying things have improved because these issues are being tabled, they're being discussed. They're actually there's action being taken, whereas before it was just happening and there wasn't that collective voice. Um, however, if some of the countries that you're dealing with, in other ones you're remit, are very, um, how can I say? Difficult places uh, to live, can be difficult places to live, uh, where the government have a co- uh, complete authority to do pretty much whatever they want, uh, or some people uh, within society do as well, unchecked. For those in those places in those regions, the players are operating within it. It must be quite a brave thing to sort of put your head to what we would say above the parapet to actually get up and stand up and and, and do something. Likewise, it must be a challenge for them to be able to communicate because their communications may be being monitored or something yep, else. Yeah, absolutely. So, so how do you, so for those players who may be listening or the agents for those players who may be listening or the sports lawyers, how should they reach out and how should they, what would you be your advice being, yep. you know, given the sensitivity of, of the situation they may be in? That is why a global voice is needed. So, uh, you know, we can right now uh, use a global framework uh, to protect the players' rights. So uh, without such kind of a global platform, uh, they can do nothing. They can, uh, they have no one to rely on. So, uh, for example, like uh, you know, of course, uh, in Asia we have, uh, as I said, uh, a lot of different cultures, and the uh, but basically uh, the culture is more or less uh, hierarchical. Mm. So uh, it's really difficult, generally difficult for the players to say something against the management. But uh, uh, if they use or if they uh, contact the global platform like people, uh, you know they may able to be, they they may be able to change something, uh, you know, even the domestic issues. So, for example, uh, FIFA has a power to regulate the world football, and uh, this includes uh, the basic principle of the regulation, domestic regulation. So. Uh, we, uh, as a counterpart of FIFA, uh, people can uh, say something about uh, uh, domestic, purely domestic issue. So uh, if the domestic regulation violates the basic principle of FIFA regulations, mm-hmm. we can say that, oh, this is uh, in violation of the uh, FIFA regulation, and the, uh, this is actually uh, a serious uh, human rights issue or something like that. So we can, you know, we as a uh, global body, uh, can change the domestic issue. So like a transfer re- restriction or mm. the uh, unreasonable restraint of trade. And in, and in contrast now, you now maybe think that in contrast, say for example, with the Olympic movement, excluding the, some of these team sports which have got, so rugby, football, where they've got strong 
athlete representation. Uh, it seemed that the, whilst you, you've got the counterpart to FIFA, so you can challenge them and you can use that global voice, it seemed like that seemed to be a slight weakness within the Olympic movement is that you have this so-called Olympic voice that goes with, through the IOC and yet you don't have the uh, collective global voice of the athletes and therefore whether it's uh, athletes in Russia who you know everyone would you know a lot of people have strong quite strong views that some of these athletes shouldn't be allowed to compete because they're part of some systematic doping but there's also the element that some of these athletes were exploited you know from a young age course, in yeah. other countries where they were forced to do things yep. that they may not even want to do but this kind of you know they have to do it because either they're you know they could get in trouble their family could get in trouble they could be um you know never compete on stuff like that so it would seem that there seems to be a space there needed that something needs to be filled to, to sort of create that global voice for the individual athletes who may not be part of these uh, larger team sports. Absolutely. Of course, uh, football is a big sport and the, uh, we are kind of uh, really gifted. We are kind of a really good position, in a good position to, you know, uh, say something about the uh, players' right uh, compared to other sports. But mm. all, of, all kinds of sports, all of the uh, uh, international sports federation have to have such kind of a global voice yeah. of the players. So... Because we've got, obviously, the other thing, it'd be remiss of me to say that, but we've got like, the strong player unions, all part of the teen sports, a lot of them anyway, are part of the World Players Association. Mm-hmm. It's also then, you look at the, the within that group, which you, I think, believe you're one of the, you're part of the, you put on the board, or are you... World Players Association. Yeah, the World Players yes, Association. Yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah, they're part of, the, part of the founding board for that. Yeah. That you, you identify common problems across these teen sports and common yep. issues and share knowledge on player development issues on welfare issues and, yeah. and so forth so there's a strong there's a, a multi-sport strength that's mm-hmm. there uh, for the players which is it seems to be increasing and growing which I think is a very good thing yep. it would be great if we could start to see that type of initiative um, which I think is they're trying to do some sort of charter aren't they for charter for athlete rights with uh, the guys from the Wilder Athlete Commission but we'll see how that how that develops but it seems like if we look at the effectiveness of what you guys are doing on the team sports it would be great if we could see that in the individual sports yeah of course uh, uh, you know we those who all of those who are involved in sports industry have to be aware of the importance of a stakeholders involvement so it's absolutely beneficial beneficial to all kind of people in sports industry uh, because, uh, you know, if um, in decision-making process, if the federation uh, ignore the players or ignore the stakeholders, uh, they're going to have a, a trouble sometime in the near future. And uh, it costs a lot. And uh, it, uh, it's really, it's going to be really detrimental for the uh, reputation of the uh, uh, sports or the federation. So we just can avoid uh, that kind of thing from happening. So, and history shows us that we should absolutely. So, so, so I think that's a that's a many roses. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, work stoppage. You know. We does. have experienced a lot. It's yeah. true though. I, yeah. I think you're right. You're better off engaging, and 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 the, we should. Uh, most people in sport, whether or not you're motivated by money, yeah. or whether you're by the the higher purpose of sport in terms of social improvement and and so forth. Uh, in theory, at yep. least, the, the objectives should be aligned because if everyone wins, if everything, as you said, if we can avoid these disputes, yep. I know it's a bit of a purist view, but I think you're right. History does show it, that, doesn't it? So positive, positive thing is that uh, FIFA has started uh, being aware of it. 
That's great. And uh, so what we what people uh, is doing together with the people is really interesting. You know, we it's so called the NDRC project. So NDRC project uh, NDRC is a national dispute resolution chamber. Mm-hmm. So you know the uh, there's a, a global DRC in mm-hmm. FIFA. And uh, but uh, uh, based on the uh, FIFA circular letter 1129 or 1010, uh, all of the federation have to create the local uh, dispute resolution chamber in uh, in their countries. So um, uh, we um, are doing. Uh, we started doing the uh, NDRC project uh, from this year. So we we got the uh, pilot countries like Costa Rica. Uh, Indonesia uh, or Malaysia. So uh, I'm in charge of uh, Asian countries. So I went to, um, I visited Malaysia and Indonesia for this uh, uh, NTSC project. So what we have done, what we are doing uh, for them is to create, or is to, uh, first of all, we, we uh, uh, provide uh, them with the uh, knowledge uh, about the best practices Fantastic. of NDRC in other countries like France or like uh, you know other European countries, and uh, we uh, encourage them uh, to have a negotiation uh, regarding the uh, standard prayer contract mm-hmm. or the uh, NDRC regulations. What type of, of a regula- regulation uh, would really work uh, for them or something like that? It's really kind of interesting or yeah, exciting absolutely. project. So, um, uh, so NDRC in Indonesia will be established established very soon, and uh, Malaysia as well, and uh, Costa Rica as well. Right. So we are, you know, together with the people, we are creating a that's, lot of new DLCs. Well, that's great. <laughs> yes, it's great. This is progress, right? This is what, this is, and I, I like the the key thing that you said, which I, I would love to see more of in sports law, is the sharing of best practice. Yes, that's right. As opposed to withholding that information or, or not or having a lack of transparency right. uh, for fear of ridicule or whatever the reasons may be. I think yeah. the fact that there is that sharing and collaborative approach absolutely. is going to be a good thing for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, uh, what we needed to do in this kind of a process is to um, kind of persuade or convince the clubs of the importance of having those kind of a, a chamber or organization because you know so like uh, uh, you know country in Indonesia you know the clubs have been uh, you know uh, the many there have been many kinds of non-payment cases in Indonesia but the, the club didn't care about it they didn't care about the uh, good governance or the uh, you know on-time payments but uh, you know we needed to uh, persuade the clubs or the convince the clubs of the importance of having this mm. uh, you know a chamber you know because uh, it's really good for the game you know yeah. the the players uh, have to be really you know uh, stable in playing uh, in in their playing environment so uh, if they have to worry about the payment uh, they cannot uh, play uh, at their best so it's absolutely beneficial for the game. That's a key message to the uh, stakeholders, also, especially to the clubs. And it can also be damage to the reputation. It can absolutely it, 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 uh, dissuades yep. um, sponsors. Absolutely, uh, so, yeah, from, from being like, involved. You know, it's, 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 it, what, what we are to, you know typically talking about uh, is that uh, you know like Brazilian players. There are a lot of Brazilian players all over the world, but they are always exchanging the information about you know. What kind of club uh, is uh, you know 
usual suspects of the uh, non-payments. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they know everything about the uh, you know practice of the uh, uh, you know like Asian clubs or, or this Indonesian clubs is really uh, is really terrible. <laughs> and, you know, please don't don't go to the <laughs> don't go to the club or something. Don't sign with the club or something like that. So you know, the so reputation a, reputation yeah, is it very has a knock-on effect, doesn't it? Well, on that note, I'm delighted to hear that there's some. Well, you're one. You're keeping up the good work. I know you're one of the busiest people in sports. Now <laughs> no, we just got a, a brief snippet into some of the work that you're doing, uh, and that was just the football-focused stuff, not the the other stuff that you're involved with. Um, so that's fantastic. I'm I'm, I'm really uh, quite pleased about the fact there's a collaborative approach between right. FIFA and, and uh, FIFA Pro and, and FIFA yeah. as well on this, because you know, as you said, the multi-stakeholder yeah. having that shared objective has to be a positive thing. And thank you so much for taking the time to drop in, because I know you've got a hectic schedule. Um, <laughs> hopefully, next time you're over again, we can do the same thing again and and hear how things have progressed even further. Thank you.